0: The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning. I want to extend my greetings this morning and say Happy New Year. And I also want to say in this new year, may the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts and your lives as you begin 2019. I agree with Jim Dvorak who talked about the type of church we want to be is one that has community together. That, that word loyalty sticks, that we stick together. And What that means, I think at least, part of what it means is this, is that we share in one another's burdens. And... We've had plenty of opportunities over 2018 to share in one another's burdens. And by the power of God's spirit, I think we've done that. And to where we haven't done that, may God forgive us and empower us more to be his people, to bear one another's burdens. But I also think community means also celebrating with one another. And I've heard a rumor that we have at least one birthday today, Connor Cuellar. Connor, where are you? Connor, stand up. And our gift to you, to celebrate with you, is to embarrass you this morning, all right? That is what your friends, that is what your parents want most of all to give to you. So, if you don't mind, let's sing together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Connor. Happy birthday to you. The gift of embarrassment. Praise be to God. Thank you very much. (laughs) If you're visiting, trust me, we won't do that to you. I promise. (laughs) Right? Okay, maybe we will. Okay. But only after we get to know you really well. Our text today from the Word of the Lord is from Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 up to 12. So if you'll read with me Acts chapter 1, the Word of the Lord says this. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit when it comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. And after He said this, He was taken up before them, before their very eyes. Let's pray. Father, for your word, as always, we give you thanks. And with your word, we also ask for ears to hear, hearts to follow, and bodies that obey. And God, I ask today for the gift of preaching. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. This is a picture of Millard and Linda Fuller. They were part of a Christian community in Georgia in the late 1960s. And that community tried to live out the kingdom of God. They actually, what their goal was, was to try to live like the church they saw in the book of Acts. Living in community, sharing possessions, loving people who aren't like them, caring for the poor, healing wounds, proclaiming the gospel, living out the kingdom. And one of the things they noticed in the area where they lived in Georgia was that there was a problem of affordable housing. And particularly, it was a problem for those who were poor. And so inspired by Jesus and his kingdom, they decided to work on creating affordable housing for people. So it worked like this. They would gather together and they would work together and partner with the community and with those that needed housing and build the house. And then alongside payments that, could, that the family could afford, they would also raise funds within the community and help provide no-interest loans to those people so that affordable housing was possible. Over time, they did this in their area of rural Georgia, and then they were inspired by Jesus and his kingdom to move to the country of Zaire, which is now uh, called the Republic of Congo in Central Africa. So in 1973, Millard and Linda, they moved to Zaire, and they started building homes there, the same kind of plan, affordable homes for people, and they did this for three years and were very successful. Built lots of homes for lots of people who partnered with them. And they provided zero-interest loans for them. Then they decided to come back in the mid-1970s. And they gathered together some of their supporters that supported them while they were in the Congo. And the Fullers, when they returned to the United States and gathered together their supporters, they shared their vision with them and they shared their work they had been doing with this small group of supporters. And then eventually, they handed that work over to this small group of people. We're beginning a sermon series, as been said earlier, Acts, the Spirit-powered church. And Acts begins in this way, Acts begins with transition. It begins with transition from Luke, which is the first volume, into Acts. Even though these two books aren't back-to-back in our Bibles. You have Luke, then you have John, then you have the book of Acts. Because Luke writes about Jesus' life and then he continues in volume 2 and he writes to his friend Theophilus about what happens after Jesus resurrection. And so it's a transition from Luke to Acts that happens in Acts chapter 1 verse 1. And we just finished finished the sermon series right before we did Advent last fall on Luke, the Spirit-powered gospel. And so it only made sense because this is how Scripture should work is that Luke writes volume 1, the Spirit-powered gospel. And then he turns around and he says, here's volume 2 the spirit powered church and so in acts chapter 1 verse 1 we see this transition he says in verse 1 in my former book which is the gospel of luke in my former book theophilus i wrote about all that jesus began to do and to teach so before we get any further it's been a good four, five, six weeks since we said anything about the gospel of Luke. I want to remind us just very quickly at least some of the highlights about what Luke writes to Theophilus in his former book about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And I think partly it could be summed up in Luke chapter 4. Beginning of verse 18 and 19. It says this. If I could get there. Beginning of verse 18. Jesus opens up the scroll of Isaiah and he reads this. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And one of the things that we learn about Jesus and his mission, his vision, his work, is that from the very beginning, look at the people that his mission is to the poor, the blind, the lame. And one of the things that we highlighted in the Spirit-powered gospel of Luke is that Jesus and His kingdom, what happens is His kingdom is that outsiders, those that we don't think should be saved or outside of God or not like us get affirmed. They actually get welcomed. So, you have outcasts. You have the unclean. People like lame, the blind, the lepers, the Gentiles, the Samaritans. You have the unqualified People like shepherds. If you remember, in Matthew, when the people that come to visit Jesus when he's born are magi, in Luke, they're shepherds. They're marginalized. The poor and women show up prominently in the gospel of Luke. Pagans and enemies show up a lot. So tax collectors and sinners, these are the people that Jesus eats with and welcomes. And so what we said, what we challenged you to think about, what Luke challenges you to think about is to imagine the person that you think God is least likely to favor. Try to imagine in your mind or in your life the person whom God is least likely to favor And that is the person that God sent Jesus to. That is the person God is calling you by his love to cross boundaries and by his mercy to show forgiveness and grace. Another theme that comes up in the Gospel of Luke is this. There's great reversals that happen. We're to proclaim, Jesus proclaims good news. He recovers, he heals, he sets free. In fact, many have talked about that in Luke and Acts, especially in Acts, is that what happens in Jesus Christ and in the kingdom of God is that he turns the world upside down That everything, the way you think the world should work, that Jesus takes it and he turns it on its head. Or as one of my Bible teachers back when I was in my undergraduate said, when he was referring to Acts and that that Jesus in the book of Acts turns the world upside down, that he says, maybe what God does through Jesus Christ is he comes and he turns the world right side up. We've read this just last week or a few weeks ago. Mary in Luke 1, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in my God, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. This is the world according to God. To us, it looks like he's turning it upside down, but to God, he's saying, I'm just turning it right side up. And this great reversal is not just what Jesus does, but it's how he does it. One thing that keeps coming up in the gospel of Luke is not just what he does, turning the world right side up, but how he does it. And this is how he does it. Whether he's proclaiming or healing or recovering or setting free, this is how he does it. He does it in the posture of a servant. Because that's a great reversal as well. Rarely do you hear on the news about a servant changing the world. It's just not what he does, it's actually how he does it. He serves. What Luke also affirms is this the year of the Lord's favor. The spirit power gospel of Luke proclaims a salvation that is for all, for sure. It is for all nations, all people. But Luke acknowledges and emphasizes God's heart for the weak, the poor, the oppressed, those considered shameful by society. He came to seek and save the lost. And Jesus says in Luke, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. Healthy people don't need a doctor. It's sick people that need a doctor. And I've come for those sick people. And this lostness or this sickness is not just spiritual. It's spiritual for sure. But it's not just spiritual. It doesn't take life and divide it up into physical and spiritual or social and economic this lostness is both spiritual, it's physical, it's emotional, it's social, it's economic. It is for those that are truly lost. And my guess is at some point in your life, whether spiritually, physically, Emotionally, socially, or economically, or whatever else category you want to divide your life up into. That you have felt lost. Luke sees salvation. First and foremost is given to those that recognize their deep need and powerlessness a need they cannot fulfill on their own." So this is why, as Brett talked about in Luke, Jesus, the salvation that He offers when He dies on the cross, is seen as a new exodus, where we are the people that are enslaved to the power of sin and death, and all the effects it has on us in all those categories, Because sin and death has effects on all of our life, not just some spiritual part of our life. And like Moses, he leads us out and parts the waters. And Pharaoh and sin and death get washed away. Welcomes outsiders great reversals, and he does it by servanthood and salvation for all, particularly for those that recognize their need and that they are powerless. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote to you about all the things that Jesus began to teach and to do. It's not only a book about transition from Luke to Acts. What becomes obvious in Acts chapter one is that this is a transition not only from one book to another, but from one person to a whole group of people. This is a story about a transition from Jesus to his church. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times, the dates that my father has set by his own authority, but you, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends The earth. It says that Jesus, after he rose from the grave, he spent forty days with them. And it appears in that time, at the end of Luke's gospel, which Delisa read for us earlier, and even in Acts, there's a little bit of repetition that goes on there. That he spent most of that time giving proofs that, hey, I am the one. And he says, here's what this means. Here's all the things I've done. Here's all the words I've said. And the resurrection now is the way to interpret, here's what this means for you. And he taught them for 40 days. He shared his vision with them, and he shared his work with them. And then they ask, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And maybe they're still thinking, if you're familiar with the Gospels, maybe they're still thinking this is a political act. Which it is, by the way, but not in the way they're thinking about it. Maybe they're thinking they're going to get their sovereignty back. Maybe they're thinking that this is all going to end with the Romans. Maybe their own suffering is going to end. Maybe a sense of pride is going to result from this. And so this is what they're asking. Are you going to restore God's people? Are you now going to fulfill your vision and finalize your work? And God's answer to them is, that's God's business. This is God's work. And I don't know when he's going to bring it all to an end and all to a close, but this is what I know. God has given me a vision and a work to do, and now I am giving it to you. Luke cuts right to the chase. I don't know what God has planned. I don't know the times. That's for him to set by his authority. But here's what I know. I've shared with you my vision. I've shared with you my work. And now I'm handing it off to you. We talked about Millard and Linda Fuller. If we could put their picture back up. Has anybody ever heard of Millard and Linda Fuller? A few hands. My guess is, my guess was that most of you have never heard of Millard and Linda Fuller. But let me ask you this question. Have you ever heard of this group? Raise your hand. Almost every person in this room has heard of Habitat for Humanity. No one has heard, hardly anyone in this room has heard of Millard and Linda Fuller. Millard and Linda Fuller are the founders of Habitat for Humanity. They began with this small vision and this small work. And then they took it to the Congo for three years. And then they came back, and they gathered together some of their supporters, and they said, here's our vision, here's our work. I don't know what's going to become of this, but I'm handing it off to you. In the beginning of Acts, Jesus Begins what seems to us to be a really big work, but a very small work and a small vision about what God's doing in the world. And he says, I don't know all the details about what God's going to do. That's up to him. But here, I'm handing off the work and the vision to you. And the difference between Habitat for Humanity, which by the way, you've all heard about it, and Habitat for Humanity is literally, their work expands across the globe. I went to look it up to make sure. It's on every continent where people live. In other words, it's not in Antarctica, but no one lives there. Most everybody knows about Habitat for Humanity. But no one knows their founder. But the difference between that story and this story is that in this story, Jesus is God's vision and God's work for the kingdom of God. And I'm convinced, and I think the book of Acts convinces us that if it is not for this small group of people that get handed the vision and work of Jesus Christ, no one would know the founder. No one would know the vision of God. No one would know the work of God in the kingdom. Because Jesus was a Jewish guy that lived in an obscure part of the Roman world, and yeah, he made some noise In his little area of the world, just like Millard and Linda made some noise in the areas of the world they lived in. But eventually, all of the Roman world, to the ends of the earth, knew the the vision and the work of God in Jesus Christ. And let me say this, before we take too much credit or before the church takes too much credit about this work, the kingdom of God is not powered by an idea. We tend to think that, that ideas change the world I'm thinking of this right now, so I don't have any, maybe somebody can yell it out. But you've seen those commercials, right? Where it talks about an idea that can change the world. If there's anything that Americans believe in, is that an idea or a vision can change the world. But what we're talking about here is not, the kingdom of God is not powered by an idea or a vision. And the other thing that I think our culture says is that very hard work can change the world. The kingdom of God is not powered by hard work. While for sure there is a vision and there is work to be done and a lot of hard work, I'm going to tell you up front that when we read the book of Acts, it is not an idea or a vision or hard work that powers the kingdom of God. What powers the kingdom of God, what empowers Jesus Christ in his ministry, it wasn't his own power. It's very clear in the Gospel of Luke that what powers Jesus is God's Spirit. And when Jesus hands over his vision and his work, what is going to power God's people is the Holy Spirit. Visions are good. Ideas are good. Hard work is great. And we as Americans are pretty decent at that. But I'm telling you right now, what powers God's kingdom is not a good idea, not a good vision. It's not a lot of hard work. It is the Holy Spirit. The work of Christ can continue and will continue through his people, his body, his church, because the same spirit that powered Jesus' vision and work will work to empower God's people, the church. This book of Acts that we're about to journey through, it's technically called Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And while it talks a lot about the apostles, particularly it's narrated to the life of Peter and James and Paul. The truth is, is that what this book really talks about, it's a, it's a testimony and a story about the acts of the Holy Spirit. Because the Gospel of Luke and Jesus' life was powered by the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts, the one constant theme, because you're going to see it transitions from Peter to Paul, The main characters don't stay the same, but there is one main character, and that's the Holy Spirit. And the characters in the story become witnesses to the acts of the Spirit. And they also talk about acts in this way. A lot of people talk about acts as... The mission of the church. The beginning of the mission of the church. And you've heard me say this in the book of Acts is where I get this from. The church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. That is what the book of Acts is saying. Do you hear the difference? It is not your mission. It is God's mission and God has you. The Spirit, it is the Spirit's mission and God's Spirit has you. Jesus turns and says, Here's my vision and my work. Go. Continue that work. The church is God's mission in the world. And I don't say that arrogantly or proudly. I firmly believe that the church is what God is doing. The church is not the only thing God is doing in the world. But the one thing I know that God is doing, in spite of all of our hangups and all of our problems and how crummy church can be at times, the church is what God is doing through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The church is God's mission in the world. So, what that means is that we are God's reconciling work through Jesus Christ. That's the work and vision God has given us. And we've been given power by the Holy Spirit to cross over boundaries social boundaries, political boundaries, economic boundaries. to reconcile with those that are outside. And we're to live into the reign of God which turns the world right side up. And we've been handed this vision and this work powered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim salvation all people everywhere. It's a new year. Time for transitions. This work has already begun. But as we enter in this story today and we say, God, are you doing something? And he goes, I don't know what God is doing. Jesus says, I'm not sure exactly the times and the places. But here's my vision, here's my work, and you wait. The Holy Spirit will empower you, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Praise be to God. Let's stand and sing.